The time's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill and streaming online at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host Ron Beard is up next. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns began in 1993 with support from University of Maine Cooperative Extension. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Well, despite long-standing policy debates on how to provide health care services to our citizens, we haven't yet developed a system that serves all. There are gaps, especially for those who don't have health insurance, who do not have the funds to pay for services. Back in 2013, citizens and physicians in the Blue Hill Peninsula saw those gaps and set up a free health clinic. They're still at it, and we're glad to have some folks in the studio who are still at it um, with the uh, free clinic and glad to welcome um, these folks to our studios. Uh, Jan Snow is uh, with the, uh, the board. She's the president of the board of the Peninsula Free Health Clinic. Welcome to you, Jan. Thank you, Ron. We also have Lucy Rowe is a clinic volunteer. Welcome, Lucy. Thank you. Uh, uh, Marty Brill is here. Um, we'll hear from Marty in a little while. Joe Perkins is here as a board member. And we also are delighted to have State Representative uh, Sarah Pebworth with us. And she'll be addressing some of the, the legislative um, possibilities that uh, may be ahead um, as we talk about how to make sure that people get the health coverage they need. So welcome to you all. Um, Joe, perhaps you could start with a little bit of history. Um, I understand you've been on the board since it started in, in 2013. What motivated people to get, get started with a free clinic? Thank you, Ron. Thanks for having all of us. Um, I think our, our founder, our driving force, is Dr. Jane Garfield from Blue Hill, longtime Blue Hill resident, longtime physician in Hancock County. Uh, Jane had helped found one of the clinics in Ellsworth, and along the way, she brought on a longtime state rep and Blue Hill Selectman Jim Schatz onto the board of that clinic. And so they both obviously saw the need had been demonstrated at that clinic, that there were a lot of people, so-called fall between the cracks, did not have insurance. Uh, Jane and Jim started talking about, uh, like so many wonderful community projects that happen basically at the kitchen table, mm. you know, the, mm. the old saying, kitchen table, living room. Uh, they started talking about how if the need was as it was in Ellsworth, there was certainly that need in the Blue Hill Peninsula. And they started just kicking some ideas around about what they could do, tweaks they would make to the model that they were familiar with in Ellsworth. Um, and so they started between their friends and neighbors, their uh, fellow churchgoers, even their fellow bridge 
players. They started talking about uh, what could what could be done, how they could get this going. And so some of the people that joined in early were uh, Lynn Cheney, another Blue Hill resident who incidentally became one of the very first Affordable Care Act navigators in Hancock County. And as far as I know, she probably is still serving in that capacity. Um, Reverend Rob McCall, the longtime minister at the uh, Blue Hill Congregational Church, got involved and actually secured the space, secured space for us in the Congo Church, at the ground, the ground level of the Congo Church. And, uh, and also Dr. Bob Walker, who, along with Dr. Garfield, was, they were our original providers. So, I mean, that group of five, and there were many others, who, you know, volunteers, nurses, uh, just really started coming together, trying to take the idea and turn it into action, and that's what we managed. So, that's great. Yeah. And um, what were the first um, services like? Is it, is, is it much changed since when you started, or is it pretty much the same kind of service? It's, I mean, services have varied over the years. The medical services are pretty much the same. There was a time when we, uh, in the early years of Obamacare, so-called Obamacare, Affordable Care Act, we, we, we were able to have people like Lynn Cheney, uh, Kevin Hunt, provide uh, navigation services right at the clinic. Uh, we also, for a time, had a pharmacist, a retired pharmacist, who was able to be there and help people with their questions about their medications. In the early years, at the very early years, we the clinic was open at the same time the Simmering Pot, a longtime community meal at the Congregational Church in Blue Hill, was going on. So that was a good, uh, a good energy, a good synergy there. Uh, but I, you know, these guys might speak better to the real significant changes. But I think it's pretty much uh-huh. the services have been the same. Lucy, you got involved as a volunteer. Um, how, how how are you involved in the in the work of the free clinic? Um, I. Primarily the uh, organizer of the volunteer group that does intake at the clinic. Um, and um, I get, I volunteer to do other miscellaneous tasks. So if we need extra administrative help or something like that, I tend to do that. I'm pretty comfortable with computer stuff. So I tend to take care of some of the record keeping and stuff like that. Um, some of the time in the history of the clinic, we've had um, an administrator, part-time administrator, and um, some of the time that I've been there, I've helped that person. At the moment, we don't have a part-time administrator, and so um, I and the other people, um, volunteers, are trying to take on the extra administrative work. We're hoping to do some fundraising to be able to raise enough money to pay a part-time administrator going forward. So we're in the middle of a fundraising drive right now, mm. hoping to get enough money to be able to have a, somebody who really knows how to do the administrative work and maybe help us with um, fundraising and getting grants and mm. things like that to help support the clinic. What motivated you to get involved, Lucy? Well, um, I've 
had a career working in um, biomedical research and genetics at the Jackson Laboratory. And I retired in 2015, and I knew I wanted to do volunteer work. And I saw an advertisement, in, or it actually was an article in the Blue Hill Packet, that the clinic was looking for volunteers. And so I decided to look into it. I already knew Jane Garfield um, because I had gone to, when she had not the free clinic, but prior to the free clinic in Ellsworth, she had a, a walk-in clinic. And I used to go there for mm. care. Um, and so I had met her then, and I also know her family. So. Mm. Mm. Um, Anyway, I saw that she was doing this, and I thought, you know, maybe I could help out. So yeah. I applied. Yeah. And um, Jan, how did you get involved um, as a board member? What what motivated you, and, and what's, what's the role of the board? Um, I taught school for 38 years, elementary school, and when I retired, I said I need something to do. <laughs> and uh, I joined a hospice evensong singing group. I uh, was elected to the Blue Hill School Board. And I, too, knew Jane Garfield and Bob Walker and Jim Schatz. And Jim said, hey, do I have a position for you? And they asked me to join the board, and I did. And then I became an intake worker, and uh, was very it's very satisfying mm-hmm. and, uh, and very stimulating to be part of something that uh, does so much for the, the local people. And we hope that we can do even more. Um, I think the board, we're very small right now. We're always looking for new board members, um, but the, we have a very active board, and um, we were just licking envelopes <laughs> two days ago for our next fundraiser. Sure. Um, so what, what would be the services that you would expect um, to, to have? Give us a, a sense of, of why people come. Again, we don't need to know medical histories, but what, what are the th- kinds of things that they're looking to have help with? I think we have people come every week who have acute needs. We have people who come on an ongoing basis with chronic needs. Um, all age spans. We do sports physicals for young students. Um, I think it's it's something that people pull up and look at the door and see when our schedule is for that week, or they go online and look at our website or Facebook. Um, so there are multiple ways that they can find out where we are and, and what we do. And we provide some lab services. We have a, uh, an arrangement with the Blue Hill Memorial Hospital, which is Northern Light Blue Hill now. Um, so we can uh, provide referrals for that. We can provide referrals to uh, a dental practitioner, and uh, we do. So it's it's pretty much what a, a normal clinic would be. Those are the kinds of things. Um, how how often are you open? Where are you located? Those kinds of practical details. Who wants to answer that? Yeah. Jen, stay with yeah, it. It's very exciting because right now we're open uh, about four times a month. We will, as of January, uh, be taking on a new provider, Dr. Tom Bugby, who is very well known in the Blue Hill area. And uh, he will be working on, right now, the second and fourth Saturday mornings from 9 to 12. Not many places you can get medical help on the weekends. And um, we also are open Mondays, not every Monday, but usually at least two Mondays a month um, with uh, a provider there to 
and they're, we're open from three to six on on Mondays. Right. So you mentioned um, fundraising. Um, how how do you make sure that your expenses are covered? What are the kinds of expenses that you have? I, I assume the providers are, are uh, donating their time. Um, what are the kinds of expenses do you have, and, and how do you how do you manage that? Any, Joe, you want to yeah, take that? Sure. Uh, biggest expense, of course, is rent. Uh, so really, basically, for the last two to three years, all of the service provision has been by volunteers, mm. like Lucy alluded to earlier. We've had part-time administrators in the past, but not for the last two or three years. So everything has been done by volunteers. So really, our expenses are just to keep the doors open and mm-hmm. to keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like Jan mentioned, we do have an agreement with the Northern Light with Blue Hill Hospital. So sometimes we get a bill from Northern Light for services that we've helped provide. Mm-hmm. So, Marty, Marty Brill, um, you have been a patient of the clinic. Um, maybe you could tell a little bit about um, your experience and, and um, um, what that has been like. Well, I, I don't think I've ever received better medical care <laughs> than I have at the free clinic. And um, I ended up there. I I heard about it on Facebook, and um, I went in because I had lost my health insurance when I left a job to go back to school, and then I was working the gig economy, and you just can't get uh, health insurance coverage through the gig economy. And um, and I when the ACA came out, I fell through the. Um, the gap. Mm. I made too much to get any um, uh, benefit out of that. And so I was uninsured and I had some um, long time medical needs uh, that went without attention for four or five years. And finally, I decided I really needed to get them taken care of and came across the clinic, um, as I say, on Facebook and, and went in. And it's it's just an amazing, amazing service. It's so humbling to know that all of the providers are there because they want to deliver quality health care to people who otherwise don't have it. And um, the, it's, the people are so kind. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here at the table and, and um, both Lucy and Jane I've seen in the clinic and um, they... It, they're so respectful, and it's lovely to walk in and be in this very small, sort of like paper-driven um, environment. Not computer-driven, in other computer-driven, words. Not computer-driven, right. not driven right. not, you know, it's like they are there for their patients, period. That's it. There is no other reason they would be there. And it shows in everything that they do. And um, as a a consumer of those services, it's lovely. Mm. It's just mm. I I feel so respected and I feel so heard, and um, the I was always able to see Dr. Perkins, uh, who I admire so much, and um, she just always had the time to take to deal with whatever questions I had. There was never a rush. There's not a quota that they have to meet any of the those shortcomings that come with the way that our medical system is set up in the country now 
just don't exist mm. in the clinic, and it's a lovely thing. Mm. And I suppose you're part of that. You, you noted a, a gig economy, an economy that doesn't serve people all that well in many ways, but you must have friends and colleagues who are in that same situation. I do, yeah. And, um, I mean, for instance, now about a year ago I got a, a, a job that could offer me health insurance, and they um, um, – why did I go there? Um, <laughs> That's all right. Oh, and, and so then the clinic continued to help me because it was another three months before I could get in to see my primary provider to be accepted back as a patient because mm. it had been so long since I had been a patient mm. at um, Blue Hill Family Medicine. And so they continued to serve me up until the time that I was able to get insurance. I did work with Lynn Cheney as the navigator to, so it's really been such a, a wraparound. And I do work with people who are, especially young people who are working the gig economy and, and they just don't have health insurance or it's not worth it. Because, for instance, this year, my what I have to pay, the gap that I have to pay between the, subs, the subsidy given by the, on, the, on the market tripled over last year and I'm not going to be able to fill that mm. and um, and for young people it's it, it's just too much money mm. So, mm. Lucy did you want to add something into that conversation about the, the need well what I was um, really inspired by what Marty said was to um, say how wonderful it is to work in an environment that's not under all the constraints that our healthcare system is currently under, where doctors only have 15 minutes with a patient and then they've got to be gone because they've got to get on to the next patient, where doctors are under tremendous stress all the time to um, do a lot of computer uh, follow-up and, and paperwork and things like that so that um, doctors are overwhelmingly busy and it's wonderful that there are a few doctors out there who are still willing to volunteer their time. But um, also just that we're um, operating independently of all that elaborate um, oversight and record keeping. It's not that we don't have oversight. We're very careful to um, you know, follow the uh, regulations on um, privacy and all those things that all healthcare providers need to do. But we're just so much um, freed to be people and to um, relate to our patients as people and give them the time that they need. And it's mm. a wonderful thing from a giving perspective to be able to do that. Mm. Yeah, because I can't imagine that there's any doctor in the, in, the, in the world that wanted to sign up because they love to do paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> and they love to work with insurance companies. They want to be serving um, the people. I'll just remind listeners that to tune to Talk of the Towns this morning, we're talking about the wonderful uh, programs at Peninsula Free Health Clinic in Blue Hill. Um, in the studio with us are Lucy Rowe, you just heard from. Marty Brill is a, a clinic uh, a patient in the past. Uh, Jan Snow is on the board. Um, Lucy, I should say, is a clinic volunteer. And Joe Perkins is a board member. We'll hear a little bit later from State Representative Sarah Pebworth, who is with us in the studio. But now we're delighted to be able to go and talk with Desha Dr. Michelle Perkins uh, by phone. Welcome to Talk of the Towns, Michelle. Thank you, and thank you for having me. I'm so glad that you could be with us as we sort through our phone uh, problems. Um, how did you come to serve at the uh, uh, free clinic in, in uh, Blue Hill? Uh, well, um, at the time that I started, I, um, I was the medical director in the emergency department there. And um, 
I see firsthand in pretty much every shift the, the effect of underinsured and uninsured patients um, on their personal care and the fact that they have to seek care in the emergency department and and have to be stuck with a, an enormous bill for something that should have been taken care of easily as an outpatient or, I, or, or seeing the effects of not treating chronic health problems and having to come into the emergency department in extremists because they haven't been able to take care of, them, uh, of their health needs. So um, one of the nurses in the ED uh, actually was one of the volunteers there and got me interested in it. And so I started. I think it was probably about four or five years ago. And and uh, so um, without revealing any, anything confidential, what is it that you actually do? What what? How do you provide service? Well, basically, we try to meet the needs of uh, whatever patient is coming in. Um, as they were saying before, we have a lot of kids that come in every year for school physicals. Uh, there are people with chronic conditions that come in just for refills, take care of their blood pressure and the like. And then there's um, sometimes acute needs. Uh, people come in with um, injuries uh, and the like. And as they were mentioning before, we do have an agreement with Blue Hill Hospital that we can get certain x-rays and certain lab tests done and, and um, covered uh, for free for the patients. So uh, within those bounds, we try to um, navigate the best we can and, and, and get what the patient needs done uh, for free or reduced cost. And you were describing the fact that many people um, who might not be able to, to get um, health care through a regular doctor because they don't have insurance will end up at the emergency room seeking care. And, and, and why, why isn't that a good idea? Tell us why that isn't the best way to practice medicine. Oh, it's a, it's a terrible way to practice medicine. I mean, uh, when the, the health care debate's been ongoing um, and uh, uh, Certain members of Congress were, were saying that it doesn't matter if we cut people from their health insurance. They can just go to the ER for their care. It's a terrible waste of resources. Um, it's terrible for the patients because it's a very high-cost way of doing things. And we're not, we're not equipped in the ER to take care of chronic health problems. And it, it's, just, it's just really uh, not a solution. And so, the, so the the policy changes that you would see um, needing, what what would they look like if we you, if you could ma- wave a magic wand? Um, what are some of the things that you'd like to see um, both at the uh, um, federal level, um, which is the, the 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 biggest policy morass, I would imagine, um, and then we'll talk with Representative Pebworth about some of the things that might be possible at the state level. But what what would you like to see, uh, Dr. Perkins? Well, I, I'm firmly one of the reasons I wanted to, to volunteer in the clinic is I'm I'm a firm believer that healthcare is a right and not a privilege, and um, I, I believe that we should have universal coverage in whatever form that might take. Uh, just because it, it, it's it's appalling that you know as as a civilized country that we have people walking around without health insurance. I mean that's just that's just appalling. Um, and so from a federal level, I think everybody should have healthcare um, in whatever form that may take. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think for a, uh, uh, for a more, I don't know, local level, um, one of the things that even people that with insurance have access issues to primary care, and I think that we, uh, we do not pay our primary care docs enough. Um, we don't have coverage a lot in rural areas. I work now in, um, primarily in Washington County and, um, in the ERs. And there are so many people that don't have regular health care because there aren't the providers to provide the care. Hmm. So that's something I think that needs to be addressed with any overhaul of the health care system. And and why did you get in, in? Why did you decide to practice medicine? Tell us tell us what inspired you to to become a doctor. 
Oh, um, well, I don't have any other marketable skills, um, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I was waiting tables before that, kind of the same thing what I do now. Um, so I, I, I just, I really like people. I like uh, science, and it kind of just seemed to be a good mix. Uh, and and um, if you had a New Year's wish or a resolution, um, you know, before we let you go, um, what would that be for the Blue Hill uh, Free uh, Peninsula Free uh, Clinic? What would your wish be? My wish would be that the word would get out there more, so more more deserving people um, would be able to come in and see us and take care of their health uh, and not not put it off for lack of coverage. Mm. So just to have the word spread about our clinic and what we do. Oh, that's great. Well, thanks so much for your um, willingness to be with us on Talk of the Towns this morning and for your service there at Peninsula Free Health Clinic. And thank you for having us. Great. Dr. Michelle Perkins, who's a provider there. And Jan, you said you've got um, other providers, um, one coming on board, but just tell us who your providers are. Yes, we also have Dr. John Tyler, who was a former physician in the area. And again, we have Dr. Tom Bugby coming on in in, uh, January. Great, great. Well, let's turn now to uh, State Representative Sarah Pebworth. Uh, Sarah, this is your first term in the legislature. Um, it's, there's a learning curve. What interests you particularly about um, health and health services? Well, when I was campaigning, health concerns was the number one issue with mm. people that I met on the campaign trail. Mm. Um, people were concerned because they couldn't afford insurance. They couldn't afford health care. They had long waits to get to see somebody. They had... Uh, concerns of such a type that they had to travel long distances in order to get health care. They couldn't afford their prescription medicine. They were making you know, terrible choices. Um, so just story after story after story made me really aware. Um, you know, I have my own um, experience with the health care system. And I mean, I'm going to look around the table and say, have you all received a bill that was completely unexpected for health care that was twice or three times or four times what you expected to pay. Mm. And look, we're all nodding our head. I mean, it, we've all had some, some effect from the healthcare system that's really been problematic. Mm. Mm. What's your own background? What, what led you to get into the legislature? Um, well, interestingly, I can say Lynn Cheney oh. is a part of that puzzle. Uh-huh. Uh, I have been in the Blue Hill area on and off since the late 80s, and... Um, even in the late 80s, early 90s, I worked at the Down East AIDS Network um, in a volunteer position there. Uh, but following Dr. Perkins was a, a waitress <laughs> as well. Sure. Um, I come with a background of education, so that's always been very important to me. Um, I owned a small business in Blue Hill for about 10 years. And then when um, the former representative in this district was being term limited out, they were looking for somebody. And Lynn Cheney was one of the people who said, Sarah, I think you'd be a good fit. And mm. um, there's a little bit of arm twisting there. But um, <laughs> I think I am a very good fit for this district. In Great. Fact. And just to, to remind us, um, uh, your district is 133 Blue Hill, Brooklyn, Brooksville, Castine, Sedgwick, and Surrey. That's a, it's a wonderful slice of, of, of what Maine is all about. It, it really is. And... Um, I've been promoting this district from a, a tourism point of view mm. for years and years and years. But to get to understand it um, as a community member or as someone who can help solve problems has been a different experience for me. And one thing, um, you know, the poverty rates in this area, when I heard the statistic that about 10% of children in this area are at the poverty level or below, I was shocked. Mm. But then 
statewide, that number is closer to 16%. Hmm. But we look at our district, which is vibrant in so many ways and has so much to offer, and then to contrast it with the levels of poverty. And again, on the campaign trail, I would go to an address. I would go down a long gravel road, <laughs> and I wouldn't know if there was going to be a, a multi-million dollar house at the end of that or a trailer that I could tell wasn't winterized um, and that there were definitely uh, just basic life issues. Mm-hmm. So as we think about some of the policy um, uh, possibilities that exist um, from the state level, what are, what are you discovering might be something that we could be working on um, at the state level? I was really pleased. Um, of course, my experience on the campaign trail was n- not any different than anyone else's. So this legislative session really started with emphasis on health care. Mm-hmm. That was one of the number one concerns. And one of the first things that Janet Mills did was um, change our committee structures, or one of the first things that happened was change of committee structures. So health coverage, insurance, and financial services to really bring the focus onto health insurance and looking at that specifically um, in addition to health and human services as a committee. So that right away was an encouraging change of perspective and signaled that, in fact, there was an effort that's going to be made. There were changes that were going to happen. Mm. Um, the expansion of main care was another you know, early policy that made a tremendous difference. And one of the things that in particular happened around the main care expansion is that more people who were signed on were receiving treatment for things like mental health, substance use disorder, opioid use disorder. So we're, we're funding areas that make a difference across the spectrum um, that have been underfunded for far too long. Mm. And most people would know, but uh, main care is, is our what we call Medicaid. So um, that was a big push, was to expand Medicaid. The federal government uh, said you could, but you, ha- you had to apply for that. Um, have you, were you involved in that process? The committee that I'm on is state and local government. Okay. So we're looking at things from a completely different um, okay. perspective right. um, than health care. But one of the... Um, That's all right. Um, so this notion that um, we were able to expand the number of people who were eligible for main care um, has made a, uh, be, begun to make a difference. Um, people who might have been seeking um, services at the free clinic are now able to go <laughs> and enter that system that we all know is, is difficult, but at least they're getting those kinds of services, and that, that's made a difference. Yeah, Tremendously so. And, and one thing about that expansion is it released – 700 million federal dollars. So we're able to match state funds so significantly mm-hmm. um, that makes a difference on a broader level than the free clinic for the peninsula. Mm-hmm. But. Well, all of you, and I'll come, come to you in just a minute. All of you have said that, um, I, I think in, in different ways, including um, Dr. Perkins, that the belief is that healthcare is part of what we deserve as human beings. Um, and that seems to be what motivates the, the need for the clinic. Joe, were you going to add uh, to that? I was just going to add to uh, what Sarah said and also to add to what Dr. Perkins was saying. An interesting uh, st- statistic is that according to the main shared community health needs assessment, which Northern Light is a part of, along with all the other major pro- providers, uh, Hancock County had the highest rate of uninsured p- 
people, which is kind of surprising. Uh, I think Washington County's number two, hmm. but uh, it was 12.9% in 2016. That's a significant number. I'm, I'm sure it's decreased with with uh, main care expansion and, and, and whatnot, but it's still, a, there are a lot of people for a number of reasons, I'm sure, that fall through the cracks. Hmm. And again, children are a significant number of the people who are uninsured. Yeah. So being able to offer the sports physicals mm. at the free clinic is tremendous. We don't want any barriers between children being able to participate in a sport team at school. That's mm. a, mm. Real benefic- a real benefit to children. Mm-hmm. So as, as you've, um, um, all of you have had some sense of, of uh, the changes that, that are needed, what are the things that you um, are str- struggling with a little bit um, at the at the free clinic, what are some of the barriers that you're feeling getting you to where you'd like to be, Jan? Uh, I think we can always use more volunteers, mm. um, but even more than that, we are working very hard on getting the word out to attract patients. We are there for people. We don't have a day-to-day schedule, which means we don't have the providers to provide those hours, but. Uh, we do promote the times that we're open on Facebook and um, our website and on the door of the clinic, which people do drive up to see where we are. And, and where are you? We're open. We are at 26 Hinkley Ridge Road. We share the building with the superintendent of schools. Mm. So very easy to find. Um, but I think that we, we would love to see more patients, and we know they're out there. Um, so please come and we're hoping that Saturday morning hours will provide a new opportunity for people also. Right, Lucy? Um, I wanted to make sure that people knew that um, whereas they can call or message us on Facebook to get an appointment, we don't require appointments. We take a lot of patients, most of our patients in fact, on a walk-in basis. So if they're coming by and they see the sign on the door and they see the open sign out, just come in and you know we can um, be happy to see you. Um, we see people from all over the Blue Hill Peninsula. We also see people from a scattering of farther away places. That it's always sort of odd. It's, oh, this person came all the way from Gouldsboro. Oh, this person's from Bar Harbor. And even we get in the summer people who are visitors um, from, for example, last summer we had a visitor from Sweden who, of course, had health coverage in Sweden, but <laughs> not in the U.S. And she had a temporary need to see someone, sure, and she came sure. in. Um, so we uh, welcome people from anywhere that need to have health well, Let's open up our phone lines and see if we've got folks who have questions or they're perhaps their experience with the Peninsula Free Health Clinic. Give us a call at 469-0500 to participate in this conversation about Peninsula Free Health Clinic um, here on Talk of the Towns. In the studio with us, we have State uh, Representative uh, Sarah Pebworth, we have Joe Perkins, a board member, uh, Jan Snow is president of the board, and Lucy Rowe um, is a clinic volunteer, along with Marty Brill, who is a clinic patient or has been in the past. Give us a call, 469-0500, um, with your questions or your comments or your experience. What other things? Oh, Sarah, go ahead. Well, we talked briefly about healthcare being a right, not a privilege. And one thing that happens with our current insurance programs is, as Marty mentioned earlier, Sometimes it's it's too expensive, so people might have very basic insurance, but then not be able to afford those pieces in the middle when things do happen. The other thing that often doesn't get funded then is preventative care, 
which from a fiscal point of view <laughs> is the, the wisest choice. And to me, that's where we have blinders on and don't understand that if we took good care of all of us early on, mm-hmm. that really stacks things up in a good and financially prudent way for the future. Mm. That, um, what do you suppose that resistance is about? You've probably encountered people who said, no, I don't want more my taxes to go up. Or I, uh, What do you think is behind that resistance for preventative type care? Part of it, I think, is being unwilling to see 15 years down the line, mm. that this is really an investment in, in the long term. And we often like to fix the problems that are right in front of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we, we make that investment in education, right, Jan? We yes, say, we oh, if we don't educate people, we're going to be in trouble down the line. Um, do, do you encounter that notion of, of, of oh, we're only concerned about short term and we're not looking at the longer term? I think absolutely. And every day when we have patients come in, they have immediate needs and they are immediate. They are urgent. They need to be taken care of. And we see far more of those patients than we do chronic patients, although we do have that population also. Um, So education is also part of our mission Mm. um, that sometimes doesn't get showcased as much because we're dealing in the immediate. Mm -hmm. Lucy? And people should realize that here we are talking about coming in for regular wellness care. Please come into the clinic if you don't have coverage and you just need, just want somebody to take a look at you and be your annual physical doctor. We do that too. Oh, that's great. Go ahead. Yeah, I can't uh, stress the importance of that enough because when I went into the clinic, again... This is is Marty Brill. I should have introduced you. um, Without having been insured for a number of years, I went in for one reason and it turned out that I had another issue that I didn't, that I had no idea about, but that was really compelling and needed care. And that speaks to what Sarah was saying about uh, fiscal responsibility, and it speaks to what Dr. Perkins was saying about emergency care being the worst way to deal with uh, primary care needs. Um, Because it really, I mean, not only is it expensive to do in the emergency room, if people are waiting to go to the emergency room, they're waiting way too long. And and issues could have been dealt with much easier because I would have ended up in the emergency room mm. if this issue hadn't been caught because I was going into the clinic. And so I think that the importance of using the clinic and the benefit of using the clinic as sort of a preventative or just a check-in, your annual checkup, your, you know, get your blood pressure checked, get your cholesterol checked, just that level of stuff ends up being not only much less expensive uh, financially, but socially. You know, we end up mm. staying alive. Our families end up staying healthier. You know, if there's uh, cancer or if there are heart issues or whatever, they're caught early instead of when they're at this uh, acute emergency, emergency state, right. st- status. Yeah. Mm. Four six nine zero five zero zero. What's your healthcare story? I'm sure that there are lots of them out there. And um, would you use the services of a free clinic in your in your community? So, in in some ways, it's surprising that you don't have more um, patients or, or um, folks. W- what do you suppose 
is, is it just public information? Is there a, a reluctance to seek um, free health care? What, what do you suppose is behind that um, slow kind of to respond? Any, any thoughts about that, Joe? Yeah. I, in my opinion, I think some of that falls on our capacity to get the word out. Okay. Uh, I don't think that there's a tremendous stigma about coming to the free clinic. Uh, I, I think it's a matter of, you know, we've had our ups and downs as far as uh, fundraising, as far as doctor turnover, you know, provider turnover. And I think that, in fact, we even had one stretch of time, at, at least six months, when we didn't have a location between the Congo Church where we started and Hinkley Ridge Road, the superintendent's office where we are now. Six months is a long time. You lose a lot of momentum, and we've had to rebuild. And, and so I think for the most part, I think that falls on our capacity, our, the, the amount of resources that we have available. And, again, that, that, that's one of the reasons why now we are really pushing forward to get an administrative assistant again, someone that can take us to the next level. And because uh, for the last two or three years, Everything has been on a volunteer basis, mm. and mm. it's. Uh, what's what's your relationship? You mentioned um, the the uh, um, relationship you have with Northern Light Blue Hill um, Hospital, Northern Light. What's your relationship with the general um, provider network out there? That the doctors who are generally providing services through um, hospital or on their own through insurance. What's the, what's the relationship? Do you get referrals? Um, do, do they do they trust you? What what are some of the issues there? Hmm. Uh oh. Jan, uh, thoughts um, about that? We don't. I would say we have a good relationship with other pr uh -huh. practitioners in the in my experience with people I've talked to, but there is a there's a disconnect because the people who volunteer for us don't tend to be local practitioners. Um, Tong Bugby now will be, but he also works in Ellsworth. That's his regular job. Uh, Dr. Tyler just retired from Maine Maritime Academy, so and he lives in Blue Hill. Uh, but as far as practitioners who are in our family practice um, organizations around our area, um, I'm not sure that they know a whole lot about us mm. because they don't have the time to give to us and we have not been able to kind of breach that wall. Mm. Um, mm. They're, they're volunteering, but they're volunteering um, at places that are suggested by their organization or in other places that they, where they mm -hmm. have interest. Mm -hmm. But we've never had any um, animosity right. whatsoever. Right. Right. I mean, it's always been very positive. You're representing a quite different system. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes, and, and we so are. that isn't a natural kind of connection, it sounds like. Right. Um, what are some of the other issues that you're working on? Um, getting more people to know about you. Um, you it sounds like you're getting your provider uh, connection. You've mentioned the need to um, fundraise um, so you can get a, a part-time uh, administrator there. Um, who are your funders? Who, who, who supports you? What kinds of people? Not, not names necessarily, but what kinds of folks? Joe, do you have a sense of the kinds of support that you're getting? Where does that come from? I will drop one name. I would say over the years, uh, Belinda and Chuck Lawrence 
in Blue Hill. Everybody knows them as the owners of the Trade Winds mm-hmm. Market, and they're very generous and philanthropic in the community. They've been a wonderful, sustaining supporter of the clinic. And again, you know, we don't have a tremendous budget. We don't have a great budget. So we've been able to rely on the generosity of people like the Lawrences and pretty much community, just community donors. Mm. We, we uh, like so many successful nonprofit uh, endeavors in, in the, on the peninsula, it's an extremely generous community of donors. And, was, uh, large was, and small. I was thinking that um, it's it's um, it makes sense to have healthy people in your community because they're going to buy things. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> so that's yeah. that's a good thing, right? <laughs> Sarah, were you going to add add something? Um, you want to add the ask those questions? Well, I was curious. I know, um, like doctors, medical malpractice insurance is so expensive. How is that handled at the free clinic? We have our own malpractice coverage, and all of our uh, providers are covered under that policy. So, what else would you add to that? The, what else would you add to the to the conversation, Lucy? Um, just as far as financial resources, um, we have gotten a couple of uh, small grants um, when we've had somebody available who could apply for grants right of course um and so those have been very helpful you can't usually get grants for day-to-day expenses but you can get them for development purposes and so we have had a couple of grants that have allowed us to work on expanding our um, community awareness of our uh of our clinic but those are expired now and Mm. um, certainly use more grant type of help in our work and Jan, you were talking about licking envelopes. Are we to expect a fundraising appeal in our mailbox soon? Absolutely. Um, they're Maybe today. Going out as we speak. Great. <laughs> so. um, are you part of a network? Are there other free clinics um, either in Maine or elsewhere? Do you, do you know of those kinds of efforts? And what would communities learn from your efforts? What would you tell someone who says, I'm listening from a different community, but I, I think I need to get around the kitchen table, as Joe said, to, to get things started. What, what advice would you have for um, folks in other communities? Uh, I can speak. There is a, a loose-knit organization of free clinics in Maine, and when we've had an administrator, part-time administrator, that person has been able to engage in that organization. It's very loose-knit, and mm-hmm. every clinic is so different. Some have pretty much developed into hospitals and and others are small like ours we we had meetings a couple of years ago with the ellsworth clinic uh there were so many i mean they're busy and they have some of the same challenges we do as far as you know providers and and keeping the doors open and their model was different enough that we we explored ways that we could really collaborate but we didn't really get to a, a point where that made sense uh, but sometimes collaboration demands enough capacity 
yeah. <laughs> that you you can collaborate. I mean, when you're when you're right pedal to the metal trying to do stuff, yeah. it's really hard to think about those other kind of connections. But what, it's interesting to hear that there is a statewide loose network of, of free yeah, clinics. There is. So yeah. other c- people have, have recognized that need. So what what advice would you have um, based on your experience of the last several years of doing this kind of work? What what uh, advice would you give someone who might be just curious and starting out? Jan, have some, some thoughts? I think publicity is a huge thing. I think getting people around the kitchen table who have the same passion that you do because it is a lot of work. Mm. And it's good work, it's worthy work, but it is work. Mm-hmm. And it involves time uh, and effort. So and would you start with some likely providers? Um, who, who, who should be around that kitchen table? Definitely providers. Uh-huh. I think people who are looking for things to do to fill up time, like retirees. <laughs> um, but I think looking for people with, with a lot of different expertise. I think um, we had a nurse on our board who was invaluable in terms of those kind of nitty-gritty things that we hadn't thought of. You mm. know, do you have this in your closet of supplies or that, uh, that kind of thing? I think has been wonderful for us. She's retired now. Sorry, Mary. Um, but um, I think it's it's a matter of a willingness to work hard. Mm. Um, so that, that kitchen table needs to be um, you know, thought of as in who in the community might help us and all of the skills you, you might need, publicity, <laughs> nursing-type skills, provider-type skills, fundraising-type skills, um, policy-type skills, you know, thinking mm-hmm, about right. is there something that this network of uh, free clinics needs from the, the state legislature? How would they How would they access that? What would they talk about? Uh, Sarah, have you, have you thought about other ways in which the state um, might be able to provide assistance to groups like this? I would say it really seems that the state is focusing on the bigger picture. Right. And it's really too bad because we see the gaps. Mm-hmm. And in part... We create policy, there are gaps, we try to fill the gaps, it's ongoing. But, you know, 2013 was the beginning of the free clinic, and, you know, so here we are six, seven years later, and I think things are definitely moving in an improved direction, and, you know, some of the policies that are bringing down prescription drug costs, um, that are just funding... Uh, resources in a in a way that hasn't happened for a while mm. can really help make a difference. Mm. But this gap is an actual gap. Sure. Um, and not to bring things back to Lynn Cheney, but she did. Uh, she's also now working with Maine All Care, and I think from her experience with the free clinic and understanding the need that was there, and um, believing with us that the the right of health care is so important, wanting to move towards a, a statewide or a nationwide health care system that would really make sure that there aren't gaps, that there um Great. We have a phone call. Um, let's take that phone call from Jonesboro. Hi. Um, I have a question. Uh, my husband is on uh, Medicare, the original Medicare, not those terrible Advantage plans. Um, he has Part D, but not a supplemental because that's not really affordable. Are we able to access that clinic because those Part Bs can add up pretty fast on 80-20? Jan, do you think you could um, respond to that? Yeah. Unfortunately, we could see you once, Mm -hmm. but it wouldn't be on an ongoing basis. Um, If you came in with an acute need, uh, we would see you. That's really all we were 
really concerned about to avoid the dreaded, dreaded, dreaded ER. Absolutely. Okay, so that's important for us to know. And so we wouldn't assume that you would be monitoring were he to have any chronic conditions. And that's not what we were thinking. So, you know, a cut, some stitches, something. Do you also possibly um, dispense? I know doctors in Maine can dispense medication. Do you, can you write RXs from there or dispense uh, medication? Yes. We would pay for. Yes, our providers do write prescriptions. Let me hear you a you're saying your providers, I'm going to write it down. Your providers do. We provide, they do write prescriptions. Uh -huh. We do have a policy that we do not um, prescribe any long term right. um, okay. controlled substances. So we would be able to then, and so do you have some indication if we were to need something pretty generic and generic themselves? We are finding out with the donut hole. You can get in there pretty fast with something like Eloquist. And I know that things are changing a bit, um, but with a, getting, um, well, I'm just saying I know more than I need to know. Um, <laughs> do you, like, is it $5, $10, $15? Because the generic can vary so much depending on where you get them. Maybe this is a question you really need to come into the clinic and, and ask so. rather than... Let me, yeah. yeah. I really appreciate what I have for information, okay. and I think it's just wonderful. Thank you so much. Great, great. Thanks so much for your call. Um, I don't think we have time for other phone calls, but uh, we really do appreciate that. Lucy, were you going to add something that... I was just going to say we do have a, a, a one-page list of resources that um, patients can turn to to help them... Uh, pay for prescriptions. So if they come in, they get a prescription that's too expensive for them. We can give them some information that could help them. Great. And uh, list your website um, um, one time so that people know that they, they can find you that way or, or, or through Facebook. How do, how do people learn about you? We're Peninsula Free Health on Facebook, and that's where um, we continually post what our upcoming hours are. So that's the best place to look for that. Or as Jan said, on our door, we have a, a, a sheet on the door that says what the upcoming hours are. Um, we have a website at www.peninsulafreehealth.org. Mm. Yes, go ahead. This is Marty just chiming in. Please. I just really, the Facebook thing is huge, and I really encourage people, whether you're a user of the free clinic or not, if you're a user of Facebook, go and like them and share their posts because somebody you know needs the services that they are offering, mm. even if you don't. So spread the word to your friends and to your own network. Mm. So as we begin to wrap up um, the hour, this has been a wonderful hour, um, what, are your, what are your hopes for uh, 2020, each of you? Um, you know, Joe, start with you. What, what, what would you hope for for 2020? Well, I'd love to see us find the resources to... Uh, Bring on a part-time administrator. I think that would really open up a lot of doors to us. We've always had, frankly, a little more success when we've had those administrators. Uh, Jan, what's your hope? I certainly agree with Joe. We need more volunteers, and we certainly would like to have a paid administrator. <laughs> Good. Lucy, what, what would your hope for the future be? I'd love to see us have enough providers that we have really at least a once a week clinic that people can count on. Hmm. 
Marty, what would your hope for the for the new year be? Um, I have some big volunteer hours that I'm finishing up in the spring, and I would hope to be able to offer some volunteer hours to the clinic. Oh, that's great. And Representative Pedworth, Sarah Pedworth, what would your hope for the new year be? It's so wonderful to see the collaboration of neighbors helping neighbors, and I would love neighbors being able to get together for block parties rather than for something like this. <laughs> so let's just keep working to have the need disappear. All right. Well, thank you all for being with us here on Talk of the Towns. We've come to the end of the hour. Um, in the new year, Talk of the Towns will be moving to a new day and time to the second Wednesday of the month from 4 to 5 p.m. as WERU moves its local public affairs programs to drive time. I've had the honor of hosting Talk of the Towns since 1993, and in combination with Family Radio Forum and Common Health, I've produced over 550 programs. We look forward to continuing to bring you live and lively radio conversations about topics that matter to our communities, featuring the voices of local public officials, nonprofit and business leaders, volunteers, and everyday citizens, all made possible because you, our listeners, support this wonderful community radio station. Long may its banners wave. Thanks again to our guests here this morning, Jan Snow, Lucy Rowe, Marty Brill, Joe Perkins, Dr. Michelle Perkins, no relation, I assume, and State Representative Sarah Pebworth. Uh, thanks to those who listened and called in. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac on a Balnane House Highland music recording. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program, and stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, producer and host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning, happy holidays, and a bright new year.